0: John chapter 5, there are other aspects about John chapter 2 and how Jesus attended that Passover that um, I didn't have time to teach. Some of it is reflected in the note that you had that I gave out last week, and um, I would encourage you to go through through that. Uh, One thing that Jesus said at that Passover when they asked him a sign, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it they said what it took 46 years to build this temple you're going to raise it in three days but the bible says he spoke of his of his body the lord said to me the body of christ needs to be raised in this season not his physical body i'm talking symbolically this is spiritual body the church There needs to be a rising up from lethargy a rising up from indifference a rising up from being beset by the works of the flesh rising up to to full function. And then Jesus said this to them, and Jesus did not entrust himself to them, because he knew what was in the hearts of men. And I want to encourage you, don't entrust who you are for validation in people. Know who you are in Christ, and don't lean upon any external source to validate your 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 nature and your identity in Christ, because when you rely on externality, when you rely, when you rely on an external source to validate who you are in Christ, then dependence upon that external for, uh, a source will make you susceptible to abort your your destiny and to distort your identity where. Identity is distorted. Destiny is aborted. So, who am I? I am God's Son. I don't need anybody to affirm that. Know who I am in Christ. I have an I, identity. I have a nature which is God's Son. And I have a destiny which is He's called me to do something. I have a work to do. Both who I am and what I'm called to do, that's my identity and my Destiny, listen carefully, must be affirmed by my Father. And I literally don't require any human validation for these things. In God's economy, yes, He will cause sometimes uh, leaders in His kingdom to affirm what they see. But I don't rely on that. Do you recall at the baptism when Jesus was uh, baptized by John? A voice came from heaven saying what? My son. You know, when Jesus heard that, that's all he needed. My father has affirmed me. Now he's dealing with men and the Bible says he did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in the hearts of of men. If you entrust yourself to be validated by others, then the source that validates you is the source that controls you. The source to which you bow is subtly the source you bend to that applies pressure because that source has expectations of you. So if the wrong source validates you, you you feel the succumbing to the wrong set of expectations. Not so? That is why followers don't affirm me. I'm your leader in Christ, but I don't need the affirmation of those I lead to affirm my leadership. The only words I need to hear is, you are my son in who i am well please because if i if i entrust myself to men i bow to the pressure that men bring to bear upon me to function in a particular way you understand but it it really the lord really spoke to me god keeps saying to me this week you're my son i tell you that and what sunday is you We us Mm -hmm. where it's used you're my son No one can affirm maturity like the Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. No one can can set you into a mature sonship state than the words of your Father. I want everyone here to be confident. If you are still not confident about who you are, you will do nothing significant for God. Nothing significant. But I want to encourage you when your identity is affirmed. Oh, by the way, when the Father said that to Jesus, he hadn't done one thing yet. And one miracle was performed. What was the father affirming? The father was affirming nature. The father was affirming character. The father was affirming, I think if I were to paraphrase that God was saying to him, you did well at 12 years old. (laughs) To subject yourself to the next 18 years to Mary and Joseph. I know who I am, but I bow to earthly orders of leadership. You did well, my son, to bow to the ministry of John. You know you're the son. And when you know who you are, you have no problem submitting to another. My son, well done. Well done, my son. You did not have to be baptized, but you insisted upon it. Because in your own words, you said, permit me, John, because in this way, I must fulfill all righteousness. The father saying, well done. Well done. Before public ministry starts, Christ is affirmed, in sonship identity based upon nature and character issues. Amen? Your character will take you where your gift can't. Don't depend on how gifted you are to get mileage in Christ. Because when your gift fails, your character will sustain you. Amen? That's why Solomon came to the throne untested. That's why I believe he failed. David was tested through a rigorous process of God's Dealings with him, remember? David had so many tests. God proved and had to test him over and over and over again. His some Solomon simply came to the throne with not one single battle. Just oops, I'm here. 700 wives. 300 concubines. 1,000 women, the Bible says. And they led his heart away from the Lord, his God. To strange gods. Position without tested character will lead to an abortion of, identity, of, of destiny. So God never, ever elevates someone prematurely to occupy a significant role without that person having proven, proven, proven uh, uh, character. Everyone say, proven character. And I want to encourage you. That's why I believe. You know, John 2, Jesus says, it says he did not entrust himself to men because he knew what was in there. At one time, did you know what? They wanted to, by force, take him and make him king. King of who? King of the Jews. To overthrow the Roman government politically. So he knew that men will always distort destiny. So I don't entrust myself to them. Trust myself to my heavenly father. Amen? So, just, just do this. You know, don't, not arrogantly, but just, you know. I know who I am. <laughs> okay. You know, you don't, you don't walk arrogantly, but what I'm saying is, know who you are. You can be in a room full of the most gifted people, far more gifted than you. And you will not be in a spirit of competition with them when you know who you are in God. And even if the Lord says to you, like he said to his son Jesus, now you submit to John. I mean, yes, the greater, submitting to the to the lesser. You have no problem. I'll discuss this later in John 13. You have no problems taking off your robe. Before one of the last Passovers, Jesus took off his robe, took a towel, and started to wash each of the disciples' feet. Amen? People that don't submit have insecurity issues. But when you know who you are, you can be the king of the land. The king of the land. You can be the president. And the car, God, yeah, in charge of this car park, says, stop park, yeah. You can rule the country, but when you know who you are, you see one of lesser authority. I mean, you're the president, you can tell him, Bru- I mean, you know who I am. I park anyway. But he who has authority recognizes authority in another and has no problem saying, yes, boss, And I may be ruling the country, but you have delegated authority in this jurisdiction. And as big as I know who I am, i got no problems. For functional effectiveness in this domain, I submit to you. If we're going to park orderly here, I need to recognize this authority. Amen? Amen. Your life will be so much more easier. Yes. So no, I don't compete with anyone. I don't strive. I know who I am. Amen? Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, don't entrust yourself to me. Hallelujah. Now let's get to today's teaching. John 5. John 5 records the second Passover that Jesus attended. And although uh, John 5 verse 1 says, After these things there was a feast of the the Jews. After what things? Remember John 4 is about his discussion with the woman at the well at Samaria. Okay, She goes back into the city and she says to all the men. This this woman had a way with men. She says to all the men in the city, Come and see a man that showed me all things whatsoever. I did. Is this man not the, the Christ? Right. That's John, four in Acts. I think eight or so. Philip the evangelist would have a major revival in Samaria. Not so. This Philip went down to Sir, Samaria, and there was such a, great revival, in Samaria that even Simon the sorcerer believed. Remember. But Philip's revival was built on, an already established testimony of Christ. By a woman in John chapter 4. Already. All right? She went into the city and she called all the men. And she said, come in, see a man. So I want to encourage you, be faithful sometimes with that little testimony. You don't know what foundations you are building for revivals that will come later on. By key men of God. Amen. That's why wherever I go, I'm faithful. I say, God, even if I'm simply laying the next block in the foundation. But I'm going to be faithful to lay the block. So that you can build upon this in later generations. Amen. This feast, so after all of those things, this feast of the Jews was near. Now, there's no mention of Passover. There were three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. The first month, the third month, and the seventh month. Okay, Uh, Barley, wheat, oil, and wine. Three different products associated with three different feasts. Um, all the evidence in the book of John by theologians suggest that although Passover is not mentioned yet, it just says a feast. This word a in the Greek, in the original manuf- manuscripts, is referenced the feast. The, everyone say the feast. And the term the feast is always in the Old Testament akin to the Passover celebration. Okay, So we assume that this is, all the evidence points to that this also was a Passover fees. How long was Jesus' ministry? Three and a half years. In three and a half years, he attended four Passovers. One each year. In three and a half years, so it's possible in three and a half years to attend four Passovers. Okay? So, this was one of them. Let's read what happened here. Okay? Verse 2. Can I read the account, and then we'll comment afterwards. Okay? now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years when jesus saw him lying there he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time and he said to him do you want to be made well question right do you want to be made well the sick man answered sir i have no man to put me into the pool When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, everyone say, while I am (laughs) coming. So While I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man was made well, and he took up his bed and walked. That day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Can you see the religious mind? He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is this man that said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, remember, did not entrust himself to men. So he withdraws, right? Most modern preachers would have enjoyed the moment. Hey, Facebook, snap here, snap there, publicize it. Not Jesus. Jesus says, I would draw, right? Then he says, watch, what verse are we on? 13. A multitude had been in that, in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found himself, found him in the temple and said to him, see You have been made well. Watch. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. The man departed and told the Jews, It was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, and they sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the... Not because he had healed the man, because he healed the man on the Sabbath. They want to kill him. So, Jesus answered them. I love this statement. My father is working until now, and I myself am. I love the King James says, "My father worketh; hitherto do I work." It says, "If Dad is working, I have to work. Sabbath or no Sabbath, if I simply perceive God is doing something, I have to reflect it, even if it's going to break your tradition, even if it's going to violate your religious." Legalistic mindset. I want to encourage you, don't please men, please the Father. In the season, if you sense, if Father is leading me, I do it. If it's going to rile people up and and rub them up the wrong way, then so be it. Because the religious mind will always put uh, parameters around what you should do and what you should not do. So long as everything you intend doing finds its origin in Father. My father works, he the two do, I work. And then it says, um, therefore the Jews sought to claim the more. Right? Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father. And watch, and by saying God is my father, what is he saying? There are a number of issues here this con this this account is it lays out for us aspects from which we must leave and more or places of greater accuracy to which we must migrate. Remember the original Passover was a movement out from Egypt toward Canaan, so you're leaving inaccuracy and you're going to accuracy you're leaving bondage you're going to freedom. You're living in slavery and you're going to sonship I identity. The Passover is very much about a migratory process. The Passover is about movement. God says, I take you out of Egypt. You were there for 430 years. I take you out. So there's always the idea, whenever you discuss Passover, there's always the idea of leaving inaccuracy and going to a more preferred position. So what are the there's several positions in this account. Several positions of inaccuracy that you must leave and you must progress to position of of greater of greater accuracy. Now, where, where was this taking place? This was taking place at Bethesda, not so? And Bethesda means two things, but the main meaning of Bethesda is house of mercy. Right? House of of mercy. It also means a, a house or a, a pool of running or flowing water. A place of flowing water or a house of mercy. Everyone say house. Now, 1 Timothy 3.15 refers to the church as the household of God. So whenever you interpret scripture now, we're looking at, that was a physical place, Bethesda. Its name means house of mercy, but for us, it, it characterizes a particular type of church. Unfortunately, at this church, everyone is sick, because it says there are multitudes of what? Infirm, lame, blind, sick people, right? So this represents an inaccurate representation of the church, right? So there's a multitude, it will say multitude, multitude of sick people. The church should be a place where you get healed, not so. You can't remain in the same condition for 38 years. This man was how long? 38 years in the same condition. Speaks to one that is in which there's no transformation in the environment of the house of God. You come in this one way, you go out the same way, and you're comfortable to stay in that position for 38 years. Now, they waited once a year. It would say once a year. <laughs> There was a little pool there, and so the angel would come down and do what? The waters when the water started moving, everyone who was sick will attempt to jump in in the hope of getting healed. The only problem is whoever got in first was healed and nobody else. Right? So if you if you if you missed the boat, you waited for a year. This poor man was infirmed. So he couldn't get to the water in time, and he says, "Angel comes down, water is stirred. While I am coming, somebody else jumps in before me." Right? So Jesus looks at him and says, "Oh, guy, do you want to be made well? What a question! It isn't obvious? duh look at me." <laughs> but Jesus wants to establish intention. I'll talk more about that later. Now. One thing, listen carefully. What does a pool represent? Water represents the, the Word of God. This place, by definition, should be a place of flowing water. That's the secondary meaning of Bethesda. A place of flowing water, but now it be, it's become a house of stagnant water. Wherever, and water represents the Word of God, water represents doctrine. Wherever you don't have a flesh, a fresh flow of doctrine, and you become stale in what God previously said, but not you're not current in what He's presently saying, your water has your flowing water has now become a stagnant pool, and so the word that is in the house is important to deliver you. It's meaningless to help you out of your situation. How many know that the Word of God delivers us? A relevant Word in a relevant season is able to deliver you from every uh, vice that you have. Not so? Uh, I've been talking to you about economics. I told you last week, the house of God becomes a cave of thieves where people in the house don't tithe. So a non-tither is equated to a thief. I'm saying to you, if you heard that word last week and you heard my commentary on Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter 17, if you simply obey your infirmity, financially, I declare to you, will be healed. Amen. It will be healed. Yes. So that for me was like a rhema word. We don't talk finances every time. But there was like a rhema word. So that was a flowing word. It was a now word. A word in season. If you simply obeyed it, here's the thing. You would not depend upon external manifestation for your breakthrough. Right. The first point I want to make is this. There has to be a movement. So Passover is about a migration. What must you leave? You must leave dependence upon external, outward, mani- an event-driven manifestation for your breakthrough. Right? Some of us are waiting for the next conference. Some of you are waiting for the next straight apostle to come. You're waiting for the stirring of the water, when in fact there's already a flow of word. That if you only lock in, obey, your breakthrough would be at hand. For some people, you know what the Bible says, for example, if you partake um, of the table of the Lord, not discerning the body. Now, you don't need discernment to discern that what you've taken is, what do we use here? Crackers. And what juice? Uh, Grape juice. Liquid fruit. (laughs) You don't need discernment to know that I've just eaten a cracker. And I've taken grape juice, liquid fruit. So what does the Bible say? Some of you are, what, sick? And you know what? Some will even suffer premature death because you partake of the Lord's table, not discerning the Lord's What? Come on, talk to me. Not discerning the Lord's body. Who's the body? We are. You don't need discernment for that. You need discernment for this. So if you violate principles of love, mutual respect and honor amongst your brothers, you've partaken of the Lord's table. So the Bible says there are repercussions to that. Two things. Some of you get sick and some will even die prematurely. I pray that will not happen. Let's say a person did that and is now sick. And they come to me, Randolph, to lay hands upon them to pray. I believe they won't get healed. You know why? You violated principle that caused that. Yeah. To cure it, simply okay. obey the principle. Right? So we have to move away from we have to move away from dependence upon some external event phenomenon that happens. That watch that happens on occasion. They're very much once a year. Happens occasionally. Two, how can I move from that to move into a spatial sphere of life and existence where I can access breakthrough 24-7? Not wait for something external. The breakthrough is within you, not outside of you. The moment you can simply bring your, your life to comply, you've already positioned yourself for breakthrough. Not so? So there was, you know what did Jesus say to him? This man had 110 excuses for why his condition was maintained for 38 years. Not so. He had had so many excuses. What What does Jesus simply say to him? Rise. Take up your bed. Walk. What did the man need? Everyone say he needed a word. You see, he needed a fresh word from the word himself. Jesus was the word made. Flesh, one relevant rhema word can yank you out of your your condition, your sickness, your lostness, your weakness, your poverty, your financial bondage, your bitterness, your unforgiveness. One, One word from God, rise. Now you know what? The word came. It was a command. Amen? I hope you can appreciate that now when we speak the word of God, these are not suggestions. These are commandments. When I, when I spoke to you last week, I could hear in my spirit it was tantamount to the Lord to saying to this house, rise, take up your bed, and simply get on with the program. Go forward in obedience. So, We must not be event-focused in seeking to attain breakthrough in any one dimension. I want to encourage you to develop what I called a spatial sphere of breakthrough. A spatial sphere of existence in which, listen carefully, your state in which you live is one of perpetual breakthrough. I'm not dependent upon a meeting. My breakthrough is in my hand. The word of God in my heart, if I obey it, will deliver me. Amen. So you hear that Rhema word. The Rhema word will come to you and it will set you free. Rise, take up your bed and, and walk. Amen. Now, Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and verse 11. Uh, Jezebel had been defeated and there was a threat of danger upon his life. She threatened to wipe him out and, and kill him. And the prophet goes almost suicidal, and he, he runs. God had to speak to him to try and encourage him to take up the baton again, because there were three significant individuals that needed to be anointed. I think one was Jehu, who would ultimately destroy Jezebel. Our other guy was Jehoshaphat and some other king. Okay, So his mission and mandate as a prophet had not yet been fulfilled. Yet, there's this now seeming suicidal mind that comes upon him, and he thinks... I'm the only one left. He says, I've been very, watch, I've been very zealous. He uses the word. I've been very jealous or even zealous for the name of the Lord my God in Israel. But look what it's all come to. And then we read this. He said, go forth. This is the King James, if you can have the King James for this one. Go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord pass by, and a great strong wind Rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Watch. There was a great strong wind that broke rocks. But it says, but the, but the Lord was, was not in the wind. After the wind and? Earthquake. But the Lord was not in the? In the earthquake. Next verse. And after the earthquake, a? Fire. But the Lord was not in the? was this man accustomed to these manifestations this was a prophet that called fire from heaven but god was trying to teach him something the dramatic is not always the voice of god the overtly external was many people and just watch i know some christians unless you have a dramatic presentation of a service they say god didn't move they want to see drama they want to see overt displays my thing is simple My breakthrough comes when I obey God, right? My breakthrough comes if I can simply submit myself to the voice of the Lord. So, but it says, and after the earthquake fire, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a, watch a still small voice. I pray, this is my prayer for this house. I pray for this house that you will hear God's still small voice in the word that comes to you. Because as you receive that word, your breakthrough would come quickly. More quickly than than you realize. Your breakthrough is in the sound of the internal voice of God that you hear voiced in and through the medium of your spiritual father who speaks God's word to you. Let me just say this, you've all known that voice, you've all heard it, sometimes he speaks even through your conscience, right? Who's been felt very awkward at the thought of sinning in some respect? You don't feel right, you're not feeling right, submit to you is the still small voice of God, right? And the the next verse, verse 13 quickly. And it was so, and Elijah heard it. And watch, he wrapped his face in his anointing. His mantle was his authorization, his grace that God gave him. He wrapped his, his face is his character, his demeanor, essence of who he is. Right? As water reflects its image, so does a man's heart reflect his face. The book of Proverbs says that. So face always denotes the heart of the man, the essence of the man, the character of the man. So he wraps, he wraps. His face in His grace, as it were. And He went out and He stood and entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to Him and said, What are you doing here? That still small voice came to Him. And sometimes we need, we look for the overtly expressive, external. Yet, all of you have access to the internal voice of God. I beg you, church, obey that voice. Obey that voice. When it speaks to you, do not disregard it when you hear that voice. In fact, in your note, can we put Psalm 81 quickly? In your note that you had at the house church on, on Tuesday, I'm not sure if many of you got there, this was quite a fairly uh, lengthy, lengthy study, but um, in Psalm 81 verse 10, a verse that I learned in my youth, And always, always is close to my heart. God says, I, the Lord, am your God who brought you up out of the land of... So God references the Exodus. Yeah, He references, you were in Egypt, you celebrated the Passover, and you have now come out. God says, I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth and I will fill it. Who loves this verse? I like it. You know, (laughs) open your mouth means, God says, I'm about to satisfy. Right? Because we love to open our mouths for it to be full. Not so. Right? We, we love to be satisfied. God says, "I'm about to satisfy you in a way that you've never experienced before." Right? I'm about to come through for you in a way that you've not known before. Open wide your mouth and I will. I, I will. I will fill it." But God says this, "But my people did not listen to my voice. It's sad. Eh? God says, "Listen, have I not delivered you?" For many of you, I can say this to you, God has brought you out, out of Egypt in a very significant way. For many of you, your salvation experience and even the states from which in salvation God rescued you from have been so dramatic. God's, God's, God's grace and mercy has been so lavishly displayed. God's saying, have not I rescued you? Now God is saying, if ever you want a word for today, God is saying to all of us, I have rescued you. Open wide your mouth. I want to satisfy you in ways you will never, you've you never, ever before contemplated. The sad lament of God is, but my people do not listen to my voice. It's very really sad when you read this. Eh? I was telling the, the group at House Church that um, when I learned this, I learned this verse as a youth. While in youth, Davi Samuels was our youth leader. We had to quote new verses every Friday. We had to learn a verse, memorize it. I remember memorizing this, and it stayed in my heart forever. And you know what I used to do? I used to put my name in there. But Randolph did not listen to my voice. Can we all quote it, but you say your name. One, two, three. But Randolph did not listen to my voice. And Randolph did not obey me. Make it personal. Right? But look at the next verse. Watch. So I gave them over to stubbornness. Remember we read stubbornness last week in Jeremiah 17? God talks about Israel stubborn. God says, so I gave them over to the stubbornness of their own hearts to walk in their own devices. Next. Oh, it's like, oh, oh, that my people would listen to me. That Randolph or Israel will walk in my... Ways, watch what God says. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Right? Uh, the, sp- the quickness with which God will respond to you depends on the speed of your obedience. If you, notice the emphasis in the word quick here. God lamenting, oh, Randolph. You know, whenever never out sin." I'll remember this verse growing up. And let's say, God says to me, Randolph, 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 haven't I not taken you out of Egypt? Oh, Randolph, that you would listen to my voice. But Randolph did not. Oh, that Randolph would have listened to me. I would have demonstrated to Randolph how quickly I would have brought him out of certain things. I want to say this to you, the speed. Everyone say speed. With which God breaks through will be dependent upon the immediacy of your obedience. The more immediate you can obey, the more quickly God will, the more quickly the Lord will respond. Amen. I want to stress again. Let your spatial sphere of existence be one called obedience to the still small voice. If In this Passover, I am migrating away from dependence upon an event called breakthrough. I'm now going to live in a life called breakthrough. My whole life will be one of breakthrough simply because I am submitted to the proceeding word of God. And I'm not dependent unwarrantedly, unduly upon an external manifestation. I simply obey and my God comes through for me very, very, very quickly. Amen? Now, secondly, and I think I'll only do this point because of time. One of the excuses that this man had, he said in John 5, 7, the sick man said to Jesus, Sir, I have no man. Everyone say, I have no man. Amen. Although it's an excuse, I want to read something positive into this. What he is saying, given my present condition, by myself, I cannot do this. I need help. I have no man. Right? Now, many people fail to realize their need for a man for a man of god okay now let me let me ask you this timothy needs paul paul was his spiritual father in the lord john mark needs peter says that john mark my son so peter is the spiritual father elisha needs eli elijah Joshua needs Joshua needs Moses the Corinthian Galatian context need Paul Cornelius needs Peter's visit to his house to upgrade him not so Peter came to the Gentile's to the Gentile's house and there was upgrade Ruth needs Naomi tell you neighbor everybody needs a man now You need someone, even Israel needed Moses to come out from 430 years of bondage. You're not coming out of yourself. You're coming out based upon your connectedness to a man of God that God positions in your life to which you can join to, submit to the word and the teaching that he brings because that is God's means or methodology of releasing you from your bondage. I like what this man says. He says, I have no man. Jesus came as the man that he needed. In that context, what does the man have? The word. The man of God has the word of God and he speaks. Outside of the word of God, let me say, you can't have the word without the messenger that brings the word. Many people want the message without the messenger. You have to embrace the messenger who carries the message. Connect to that grace because that grace is designed to bring you up out of your mess. Amen. So he says, "I have no, I have no man." In Luke 13:35, just quickly, I want to rehearse this. In Luke 13:35, Jesus said this: "Behold, your house to you is desolate." And I say to you, you will not see my face or you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay? So Jesus is saying here to a house. Everyone say a house. So it's it's a household of faith that will come to desolation. The word desolation implies it will be demon infested. Demonic infestation of every kind of unsavory spirit that's not akin to the spirit of God. So, how does a house become desolate until that house can say what? So, Jesus says, You will never see me again until you say, until you come to a recognition where you say, Blessed is he who comes. As a representation of the one that sends him. Remember, I discussed with you, in the name of means, one of the things is, by the representation of another. Not so? So when the sender sends somebody else, the one sent represents the one who has sent him in full authority. Okay? Now, let me ask you this question. I come to you as a spiritual father. I come to you as God's servant to you this morning. I come to you as a messenger but I don't come in my own authority. I come because of another that has sent me. But until you can say of me, Randolph, you are blessed, you are blessed, who comes in the name of the Lord, your house will be desolate. Right? So desolation is the natural result of one who cannot see what the one who comes to him represents. Right? Right? Tell your neighbour you need a man. Psalm 118. Sean read it this morning from verse 19. Psalm 118, verse 19. Just watch. Psalm 118 and verse 19. I need you to concentrate now. I'm going to share with you. It can be heavy doctrinally, but it's important for your breakthrough. It has to have to say this. Okay. Open to me what the gates of righteousness, and I will enter through them. I will give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Gates provide access, not so. Gates provide access. The righteous will enter through it. I will give thanks to you, for you have answered me. And you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Now, is the church of God akin to a city? Yes or no? Yes. Hebrews chapter 12. Quickly. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion to what? What is Mount Zion? Zion is the church. This verse says, you have come to Mount Zion to what? To the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels. And it says... To the general assembly and what? Church of the firstborn. So the question is, is the church likened unto a city? Yes or no? But the church is the city of who? The city of the living gods. All cities publicly have two things. They have walls and they have gates. Everyone say walls and gates. So to access the life in this city, you need to come through the gates. And we just read now in Psalm 118 verse 19, The psalmist prays and says, open to me, what? The gates of righteousness and I will enter. Symbolically, I believe in the psalmist's mind, he's thinking prophetically of how can I enter life into the household of God, the city of God. How can I be safe there? Because if I'm within the walls, I am, I am safe. Now quickly, Revelation chapter 21 verse 12. Revelation 21, verse 12. It had a great wall. This is talking about the city of God in this chapter. It said it had a great high wall, 12 gates. The gates, at the gates were 12. Now you should stop right there. I've done tons and tons of teaching on angels. An angel represents a spiritual father or leader over a household. To each of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the letter is addressed to who? To the angel at the church at Smyrna, right? To the angel at the church at Laodicea, right? An angel is the Greek word agalos, which means a messenger carrying a divine message. Jacob's dream in Genesis 28, what did he see? A ladder from the earth reaching the... Yeah, and what? Angels? angels. N- not de- angels ascending a- so the point of origin was the earth. So angels, which are messengers of God, spiritual fathers, ascend, get revelation, descend, and release it to their people. What did Paul in Galatians 4 say to them? He said, When I came to you, you received me as an angel. So what's an angel? An angel is God's messenger, a human being, not celestial wing creatures. There are angels like that, but they descend to, ascend Earthly angels, messengers, ascend to? To descend, right? So, when you read the Bible, and then you read a verse like this. Oh, the city had a great high wall, 12 gates, and the gates, at the gates were what? So, who controls access to the city? Come on, talk to me. Angels, war angels, messengers, spiritual fathers, sent men. That provide people access to the city. When David prays in Psalm 118, he says, Open to me the gates. He's saying, unveil to me who my spiritual father is. He's saying, show me the point whose word I need. If I can submit to that word, I will find entrance into an environment that will keep me safe. Amen? Come on, are you getting this? Talk to me. Are you? That's the impress of this verse. And then it says, And the names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. Now watch. Think of this city, walls, twelve gates, twelve angels. Each angel got the names of a tribe. So a leader always represents his people. When a leader stands, his people stand, represent in him the high priest with the ephod had inscribed all the names of the twelve tribes of Israel upon his chest. The high priest, when Aaron stood before God, all twelve tribes were inscribed on his breastplate, near his heart, not on his back, like some weird. (laughs) So we have the people where? In our hearts. We have the people close to us. I must declare this, I love all of you. And I, I prayed a lot yesterday in my office. When I prayed for you, some of you, I can feel certain things. Because I don't pray for you disconnected from you. I pray for you having you in my in my heart. Not so? So each angel has a specific tribe, leader, tribal configuration, represent in each spiritual father. And they are the gates of this city. Right? Next verse quickly. Right? Quick. They were... Three gates on the east, three on the the north, three on the south, three on the west. Next verse. And the wall of the city. What are the walls now? The walls had what? Twelve foundation stones. And on them were the names, the twelve names of the apostles of who? What is Passover about? Celebrating the lamb. Not so? So, the, the, the walls, watch, had foundations and on 12 foundations, and each foundation, the original apostles that walked with Christ, the 12, right? Except Judas, Matthias took his place. It says, the foundations of the wall were named after the 12. So for me, watch, here's the principle. The walls represent an apostolic principle. Because the walls are founded upon apostolic foundations. Watch, the apostolic is the first in the five-fold ministry. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight says, he said some first in the church apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then others. So whenever you read a verse like this, and you said, oh, foundations are apostolic, you always look at the apostolic, but you reference the entirety of what they uphold. They are the first in rank among specialist ministries if I ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers designed to equip and, and uh, build up, it says, the body of Christ. So, watch, watch. Let's reason together, says the Lord. <laughs> City has gates. Let me ask you this. Twelve gates. Talk to me. What do, what do the gates represent? Come on, I told you. What do the gates represent? Angels. Angels at the gates. Angels are spiritual fathers or elders. Those who lead congregations like this. But, and they have the people on their hearts representing them. They provide access to people into this environment. Not that we control anybody. I'm not, I'm not talking naturally, now I'm talking spiritually. Please discern what I'm saying. Okay? This house, this city, is its perimeter, it's walled in. By specialist gifts that are designed to build it up. And what do walls do? Pro protect the environment. Not so? And so we do our best to give exposure to you to, to fivefold ministry designed to build you up and equip you in in Christ. Okay? Now another verse quickly. Revelation twenty-one twelve. 21, 21 sorry. Are you is this making sense? This is gonna help you know when I when I saw this. When I saw this, Thaumma was very instrumental in teaching this to me. And he made some comments. And I saw something here. I said, wow. The city of the living God. You know why? Let me just say this. Geographical cities are under siege by terrorists. You are a city in a city. With its own mechanism of protecting you. And if you find your placement in Durban. But you are not in the city of the living God. You are in serious trouble. Right. That's why I say stay in the house. There is immunity in the house. When judgment comes. It will pass over you. Angel of death passed over houses with the blood. You know I, when the revelation. You know I always heard Tamo say this so many times. But just this year it hit me like a ton of bricks. That I need to be, because this city got its own economy. Got its own welfare system. Got its own system of protection. Not so? Tell your neighbor, we are a city in a city. But if you are in the city, you need to know who your gate is. You need to know, don't ever say, like this man, I'm in the same condition for 38 years. Because I do not have a gate. I do not have a man. I do not have someone that has word, that can speak word to me, that can yank me out of the situation. I do not have someone who speaks. I hear the still, small voice. Revelation 21.21 says, The twelve gates were what? Twelve poles. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. You know, I like this. When you think of gates, we think of gates. Eh? If you Google this, you look at some, some representations of this graphically. They drew a massive pearl. The gate is a pearl. Are pearls precious? Are they priceless? Very. right? A, a, is a pearl. And the street of the city was pure, gold-like, transparent glass. There's not one reference in the whole Bible to streets in heaven, not one. No? There's only one reference to street and it's symbolic, it's representative of Jesus the way. Gold being an expression of divinity. Amen? So, watch. That's why it now makes sense, the parable of the man who found a pearl of great price. What does he do? He sold everything he had and does what? He doesn't just buy the pearl, he buys the field in which he found the pearl. You see, we know, you know I'm not talking to you with new things. We know these truths about spiritual fathering and the need for them. But until you see your gate as a priceless precious pearl, until you have come to the place where you say, I'm willing to depart and sell everything I have, if I can just have access to that precious pearl of great price. Do you have a pearl? I think I would never be able to put a monetary value on what they represent to me. You know, I can almost weep when I even think of the names. When I think of who they are in God, and when I think of their own personal journeys and the processes and the shapings and the churnings that God has shaped them to be the men of God that they are today, I think it's literally invaluable. It's, I'm serious. You'll be, it's literally impossible because I can say I found my pearl of great price. A gate which when he speaks, I'm not deifying a man, please. This is, this is I, I will never come to the position that this man came where he says, I don't have a man. I do have a man. I do have a man of God that speaks the word of God. I do have someone At this Passover, if I can listen to, I can break 38 years of bondage. 38 years of infirmity can come to an end if I simply, in my view, listen to the word that he has. Now, quickly, I'm going to wrap up. Go back to Psalm 118. we have got five minutes. Five, ten minutes. 118 verse 24. Watch. The guy, the psalmist, he's still talking. Just open to me this gate and watch. That's why I don't think the scriptures are coincidental in the same context. What does he say? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Next verse quickly. Oh Lord, do save. We beseech. Oh Lord, please We beseech. Do send prosperity. Who's prayed this prayer? I pray it many times. God, send the prosperity. Send the prosperity. Break me out of this situation. God, take me out. Send the prosperity. But you can't say this without saying the next verse. Blessed is the one who comes in the name. You see where Jesus quoted this from? In Matthew we read. When he said, you will not see my face again, your house will be? desolate until you can say, blessed is he who comes in the name. Now, look, look in the Old Testament. The context in which he quoted it from, he's saying this, people want breakthrough, people want prosperity, but you cannot say, Lord, send prosperity without simultaneously saying, blessed is my gate. Blessed is my pearl that comes to me in representation of the Lord. I want to declare to you, your destiny is linked to the man of God, that God sovereignly has positioned in your life. I say that confidently, and I can say that with authority, based upon my knowledge of Scripture. We don't deify men. Neither are men mediatories through which we must come to God. But there's an economy and an order in God that is designed Unless you see the Lord in the one He sends, and unless, here's the thing, is, everyone say obedience. obedience. You know, I can't get over this phrase. My spatial sphere of existence is going to be obedience. My mode of operandus is going to be, if I can impress upon all the young people. You know, young people, you, you, you're in such a privileged position. You're in a place where you don't have to experience what we did. You don't have to make the same mistakes where? Where we did. You can You can live in a special environment called breakthrough perpetually, breakthrough consistently. I'm not saying you don't have problems, you will have problems because all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, the Bible says. But even in your suffering, you'd have learned such valuable principles that breakthrough will be your characteristic. It, it won't be so infrequent that it's rare. I'm saying it's now you can become predominant. That's gonna to start to characterize who you are. Uh, it's not gonna be year, there fleeting, it's gonna be perpetual. Amen. I I you know I'm trusting God. We trust God for that for your life. I'm saying, so when the man found the pearl in a field, it says a price, precious pearl. Now we know scripture must interpret. Scripture. We are saying if the gates are pearls. And gates represent angels' access point into specific culture in God's city, where you will find safety being hemmed in by walls, which represent fivefold ministries, you'll be safe. But there's no access without acknowledging the gate. You, You know the term man of God? Just one verse in reference to this, 1 Kings 13, verse 1. It's not unbiblical, the term. It's in the Bible. The term man of God is frequently used in the Old Testament. It's often used in reference to prophets. Behold, there came what? A man of God from Judah to Bethel by what the? By the word of the Lord. All I'm saying, if you are the man of God, make sure you have the word of God. You're not a man of God without the word of God. What makes a man of God a man of God is the word of God. No word of God, no man of God. Make sure that your man of God has the Word of God. That's all I'm saying. Make sure that your pearl has proceeding, river-flowing Word, not a stagnant pool that you are waiting every year to stir up some manifestation for your breakthrough. Make sure that the man of God that you are submitted to has a proceeding, ever-flowing, fresh Word. And your breakthrough is at hand. Otherwise, We'll come back 38 years to this venue. And we'll see you in the same condition. And you say, now what's your excuse? Let it not be, I don't have a man of God. Let it not be, I don't have a man of God who speaks the word of God. Amen. But we are nothing but servants Amen. of God. Amen. Nothing more, nothing less. We are just servants of God that carry the, the word of God. We're against titles. We're not titular. We are ordinary servants of God. Amen. Lift your hands. Thank God for the city of the living God. I declare to you today, this city, I declare immunity over your life. I declare there will be no accidents among us. No untimely deaths. No casualties. No accidents that will impair us in any level. I declare that in this city we will be safe economically. Because our Father will take care of us. I declare we will not be victims to the systems of Babylon, of this world. We live by a different culture, we live by a different environment. I thank you, Father, for our placement in the city of God. And I thank you, Father, you've positioned men of God in our lives. You've positioned gates, access points that show us the way. That speak to us word. We have found pearls of great price. Cannot be quantified. Economically. Numerically. Thank you. For the privilege. You love us so much. You've given us some of the best personnel. In your kingdom. To watch over our souls. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. How, how privileged. How privileged we are. To have the men that. Give us patriarchal oversight. Just lift up your hands. Just thank God for it. Just thank God. You know, sometimes we get so... We're not aware what we have. We're not aware of what we have. Others don't have this. Others don't have this. Others don't have men. We have men of God watching over us. We're not a loose limb doing something in our corner of ourselves. We are a countable group. I declare this city is immune. I declare this city because... The uh, because we consistently say, Blessed are they that come to us in the name of the Lord, I declare we will be a blessed people. We will be a blessed people. We will hear and obey the still small voice in the what we hear through the words that they release. God, I pray, come on, lift your hands high. I'm gonna pray. You know, although I haven't gone through even, I just started 5% of this teaching. This is simply simple introduction. So many principles here. But even, don't wait for next week. I'm saying, you can break something long-standing today. Don't sit for 38. You don't sit, if I were you, I will not sit another year in the same condition. I will not. I'm saying, God, I need, I need to take up my bed. The false sense of rest in an infirm condition. I think I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm resting on a bed that, 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 that's designed to facilitate my infirmity. That's not rest. I think I'm at rest. I'm not at peace. I think I'm at peace. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Walk into your destiny. Walk to the temple. The Bible says he found himself in the temple. The accurate location father we just lift up our hands i thank you i thank you i thank you father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning i pray release release breakthrough to every domestic circumstance every marriage every home every business environment take up your bed and walk declares the lord take up your bed the lord says to you you are not manless you have a man of god You have a gate you have a pearl of great price walk through heed the word receive him you receive me declares the lord we thank you god unprecedented breakthrough because now you will quickly subdue our enemies you will quickly subdue our enemies we open wide our mouth and you will fill it this is the day that the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in this truth. I will rejoice in it. I'll publicize it. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I'm not an orphan. I'm a son in the house of God. Hallelujah. Everyone stand. We are a family. You know, my, my heart is for everyone for breakthrough. Everyone must have breakthrough at every level. Economically, maritally, socially uh, in every single way just 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 god's when, when when judgment comes upon the earth god will pass over you god will protect you god will preserve you amen hallelujah just thank you father just thank you for what you're doing with us just thank you that we're on the verge of something awesome I'm going to pray for unprecedented prosperity. I'm talking about finances now. I'm not doing this like we did it in the old charismatic Pentecostal season. Now we're doing it being informed. Amen? Let's lift up our hands. We're going to say, Lord, do send prosperity. Send prosperity. But that prayer is not prayed in a vacuum. That prayer is prayed in the context of one who knows who are the gates. And these gates are righteous. He said, open to me the gates. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in. And then the psalmist says, now, Lord. Everyone say, now, Lord. It says, send prosperity now, Lord. I need it now. Send, pros- send breakthrough now, Lord. Now. Send it now. For you, it might not be financial. It could be any other thing. It could be marital. It could be business. It could be in your work environment. It doesn't have to be. Because prosperity is fourfold. Right? Uh, we taught this to a grace. Not just about money. It's about relationships, about your relationship with God. If you want to be prosperous in your relationship with God, send prosperity now, Lord. Reinstate me as a as a son. Send it now, Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray breakthrough financially, economically, maritally, in the workplace, relationally, in every single way. I declare this house and its people will be the most prosperous people. I declare and decree. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow, I declare that that will be your portion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that we will not lack. I declare lack and end to lack. Father, we believe your word. Your word is true. Your word does not lie. Your word will come to pass. I will heed. I will obey this word. Send prosperity now. And we will consistently say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 20. Let's read it together. Psalm 20. As you stand, quickly. This is Psalm 20 before we go. Psalm 20. I wanna, let's just read this in, co- in chorus together. Amen. Let's read it together. I want you to read it with faith. You know, I'm saying this. This is my prayer for you. May the Lord answer you. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. May He send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. May He remember your, me- your meal offerings and find your burnt offerings acceptable. Selah. You know what that means? God's saying, every expression of sacrifice and offering you've made, I will not forget. God is saying, I will remember Every sacrificial Amen. expression. Amen. Hebrew says that God is not unjust to forget how you've ministered to Amen. the saints and how you still do minister. Tell your neighbor, God will not forget your sacrifice. God will. I love this verse. All right, Verse 4. Let's go. May He grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. Prophesy to about three, four people around. Just high five them and say, your heart's desire is fulfilled. Your heart's, is your heart's desire is fulfilled. 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 And, know what we, and do you know what we are going to do when we have your breakthrough? This verse says, what We will sing of joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up Our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Amen. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Amen.